This podcast was sponsored by Peach the Label, Australia's go-to destination for mid and plus size fashion. This episode of Fatinize discusses eating disorders and details the harmful dieting and exercising methods used on The Biggest Loser Australia. On today's episode, we also mention specific weight loss figures. If any of these conversations and topics are triggering, please contact the Butterfly Foundation at one 800 or visit the website at butterfly.org.au. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fatinized Podcast. I'm your host, Demi Lynch, and we are here today to talk about the issues and topics related to the plus size community. And I am very excited to talk to you all about today's topic, which is about the biggest loser, which I know for many can be a bit triggering, can bring back some bad memories of that show. And to talk about the show, we have a former contestant. We have Selena Brown. Hello, lovely. Thank you for coming on. That's all right. Thank you for having me. Now, you were on season seven of The Biggest Loser. In recent years, like articles have been coming up and people have been reflecting on the show and realizing how messed up it really was and how frightening that for so long we had it on our screens. <laughs> you're nodding right now. You're was, just like, yep. I had a discussion with a colleague of mine about The Biggest Loser and we were just, just, just saying, oh, you know, if this show was around today, like in 2023, the amount of stuff that we went through on that show would not be accepted. And I think it would... It would only last probably like one or two weeks on air before people would be like boycott the show, boycott the show. Um, back then, you know, especially in the 2000s, when the first Biggest Leader came out in America, it was all about diet culture, it was all about, you know, losing weight and, you know, being the best version of yourself and, you know, it's all about, it was all about image, I should mm-hmm. say. Oh, yeah. um, you know, if you're not a certain type of image, then what are you really? So that's why that show, show like why that show did so well was because people were comparing themselves to the contestants. And I too, I was comparing myself to certain contestants on that show until I became a contestant on that show. And then after that, I was like, no, I wouldn't recommend going on a TV show like that ever again. So as someone that does work in the health space then, I am curious to know your thoughts then on, as you reflect on your experience in The Biggest Loser and in the, in recent years, there's been reports coming out like about the, the diets they put on contestants. Yeah. From what you can remember, what were the diets and like the, oh shit, <laughs> like advice they gave to contestants? And especially as someone that now works in health, I'm really interested to know your perspective because I can imagine you're you're just like, 
what were they thinking? <laughs> if I could be my 22-year-old self right now, the first thing I would say, what the hell are you doing? Um, because the diet that I went on when I was in the house with the calorie deficit diet, it was a 1,000 calories a day. Um, a 1,000 wow. calories a day. That's um, shocking. And that was, I'm just going to also debunk a theory as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been rumors online on TikTok about how saying that the trainers were, were, were responsible for the diet. The trainers were responsible for the diet, but how much food you ate, how much food you wanted to eat was up to you. Mm-hmm. So Tiffany put us on a high protein, low carb diet. Um, she didn't want us eating any sugar or, or any sort of, you know, artificial sugars or anything like that. Um, she wanted us eating things like high-protein sort of foods um, and very, very low-carb sort of foods. So anything to do with seafood or chicken or lettuce, like any sort of salad food. Like, and she also wanted us to eat naked foods, so no processed foods or anything like that. Um I'm not too sure about Shannon or Michelle or Shimando, Um, though there was rumours going around that people were waterboarding, where you eat a whole bunch of carbs, drink a whole lot of water, and then do straight exercise, and that's to lose weight, which is not a very good thing to do to, to, do to your body either. So, um, yeah, but... We were told by the producers that we were going to die if we didn't go on a diet or if we didn't diet or exercise. So I myself, along with the members of my team, made the decision that we were going to do this diet. Um, and because I can't eat seafood because I'm allergic to seafood, my diet consisted basically of either egg whites or oats in the morning with some sort of low calorie, low, no sugar, no fat yogurt. Um, and then my lunch was either chicken and salad and my dinner was chicken and salad. We did have pork sometimes, um, but not very often because pork contains a lot of fat. Um, and yeah, we were allowed to have, have Pepsi Max as a drink. Mm. So that was my, my one thing. I was like, Pepsi Max. Um, <laughs> And I was encouraged to drink a lot of water because I had factor five light. I've, I have factor five light in. Mm-hmm. So I was advised by the medic and the doctor before going to the show that I had to keep myself hydrated, motivated, like moving around so that I would not develop a blood clot in my lung and um, or in my leg. So, yeah, my diet was just basically that. We had fruit, but not very often. And if it was, and if we did, if you did eat fruit, it was either the berry, like blueberries or strawberries or something from the berry family. I couldn't have mango, mango is my favorite fruit. I couldn't have that. Um, yeah, there was a lot of food that I couldn't have. And because Tiffany was the very, she was very adamant that we eat naked. Um, so there was a lot of things that we couldn't eat. And because I couldn't eat a lot of it, because either I was allergic or because we, because we, were, on a, we were on a diet, um, yeah, I had a very severe calorie deficiency mm. <laughs> and I also developed malnutrition as well. And then, yeah, the whole eating. So 
trigger warning, the whole eating disorder as well. Um, because I wasn't eating enough, I think my brain was like, right, this is the food that's safe for me to eat. I'm going to eat only this food. Mm -hmm. So whenever I did eat something that wasn't considered a safe food, um, yeah, that was, but that was more after I left the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think um, that, yeah. e do you think that eating disorder would have occurred if you hadn't had gone into the house? I wouldn't know mm. because I do remember before going to the house, I was very conscious of what I ate, yeah. even though I was eating like I still ate healthily before I went into the house, but also at the same time, whenever I used to eat, like something that made me feel better. So my go-to snack was Tim Tam. Mm. Um, I still eat Tim Tams now, like every probably once in a blue moon, I'll have a Tim Tam or I'll have a chocolate. But yeah, um, I prefer to eat actual food now because that's what makes me happy and not snacks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember my go-to food was Tim Tams and a bottle of Coke. That was my go-to. That was my comfort food. Everything else I ate was, you know, healthy, normal, but my comfort food was the packet of Tim Tams and a bottle of Coke. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that was... <laughs> I used to be, feel very, very guilty eating them. And there were times where I used to think, oh, if I eat this, maybe I could blow it up afterwards. Because I had heard, I had gotten the idea from another person who was in my life who said, who was also going through her own issues with food. And she said, just throw it up afterwards. And I'm like, wow, that's, you know, that's dangerous. Yeah. And then once I went into the show, it just, I, that idea started becoming a bit more, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should do that. You know, I could have something bad and then I can just throw it up afterwards. And when I left the house, I was that stressed out and that that all I wanted to do was just eat my comfort food again. I wanted to get back into bad habits, but I didn't want to put the weight back on. So, yeah, having that sort of ideal, having that sort of mindset caused me to start doing things to my body that I, well, yeah, I still feel ashamed about, but not, it's taken me a while to sort of accept the fact that I had an eating disorder and, yeah, and the fact that I developed bulimia. Um, yeah, after I left the, after I left the house and the while I, before the finale, it was just, I had this sort of mentality that I'm going to do all this stuff so that I can be the best version of myself at the finale. But at the same time, because I had anxiety and depression and now social anxiety because of all the online trolling I was getting at the time, it sort of drove me into thinking, drove me into eating my comfort food again. And then I felt really, really bad and guilty afterwards that one day I just, for, yeah, one day I just went into the bathroom and did my business. I'm not going to go into too much detail there, but yeah. And afterward I felt, I felt guilty, but I felt good afterwards because I'm like, 
I've thrown it back up. I, it's not in my body now, but I feel better because I've eaten some of my comfort, I've eaten some of my comfort food, but at the same time, I've gotten rid of that comfort food and I don't have to do the work to make up for it. Mm. Yes. And that sort of mindset kept me going throughout the period of time after the show and then after the finale and then up until the point where one of my flatmates sort of noticed what I was doing and then a very good friend of mine, she told her very, like our, my education worker at the time and then my education worker took me to, um, well, she told me that, what I, well, my friend at the time, but my flatmate, well, she, she was my flatmate as well, my friend, um, at the time sort of noticed what I was doing, told me to stop. And then she actually went on to tell the education worker at the time as well. And then that's when my education officer um, took me to, like she took me to a cafe, sat down with me and had a chat with me and said, look, I need, I think you need actual help. Mm. Yeah, I think you need to be a psychologist. Um, and I think you need to be a doctor. And I said, I'm fine, you know, I'm fine. Um, yeah, and then went to a doctor and told him what, everything that was happening. He's like, well, I know what you've got. You've got an eating disorder. And I laughed in his face. I said, no, I don't. He said, yes, you do. <laughs> and, and then I did some blood work and he's like, and I think you're also malnourished because you're starving yourself. Like, you just told me your diet and you just told me what you do to your body. You're malnourished. You're, malnourished. you're on a calorie deficit diet, even though the show's been over. And you're doing, you're going back up, your food back up. And so you've got an eating disorder, you're malnourished, and you need help. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, all because I went on TV show just to try and lose weight, mm. which was not a good. If then again, I do ask myself the question, you know. If I were, if I did have a time machine and I went, where to go back, would I do it again? Um, that's the question that sort of stays in my mind because that's my, on the one hand, yes, because then it will teach me the lessons that I don't, like that I can sort of use in the future because not everything was bad on that show. Like the lessons that Tiffany taught us on how to be ourselves and everything. Like, yeah, I think we got lucky with Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, even though the TV sort of painted her as some sort of, you know, over, like, over dullest sort of personality. She actually was a pretty lovely lady yeah. um, behind the scenes and, you know, she, she cared, um, certainly cared about, well, not so much me, but, the uh, like, definitely Casey because Casey was her girl. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad, I'm grateful that, you know, Casey and Michelle and, um and Beth got to experience that with Tiffany yeah <laughs> um but yeah we'll be back in just a moment but first I want to talk to you all about today's sponsor Peach the Label Peach the Label is making waves in the mid-size and plus-size space here in Australia firstly and most importantly Peach the Label is size inclusive their clothes range from size 14 through to 28 so as a size 24-26 gal, this of course just makes my heart sing. 
Their clothes are also affordable, ethically sourced, and the fabrics are just so deliciously soft. As someone that cannot handle the heat and is pretty much sweating 24-7, Peach the Label is my go-to brand this hot summer. Peach the Label have been kind enough to offer our listeners a 20% discount store-wide. Use the code FATTENIZE20 at checkout and get 20% off your entire order. Find your next summer wardrobe essentials at peachthelabel.com.au. Peach the Label, the boutique label for babes with a booty. Now, back to the podcast. When you were going through all this after the show and experiencing disordered eating and you got this help from your friend and then also the um edu- what was it, sorry the education person did any of the producers or anyone reach out from the biggest loser to check in if you're okay because after uh, the finale no um bef- when I got eliminated from the house there was the odd phone call here and there mm-hmm. but not really they organised for me to have a personal trainer, then that was it. And then I got a phone call from my, from my, my head of the studio about a week before the finale and he said, look, I think it would be great if your weight was down to a certain weight. And I was like, say right now? <laughs> um, he was like, well, what are you weighing now? And I said, I told him I was around, I think I was around 123 then. Um, and I said, I'm around 123. And he goes, well, I think if you can get under to 120, that would be great. Are you telling me, a produ- what did you say, it was the head of the show or producer? I think, the, I think he was the head of the show as well as a producer as well. Yeah. He, he called you up and mm-hmm. suggested you should lose three kilos in a week. Yeah. Wow. While you were suffering with an eating disorder. Wow, that is, <laughs> I am so sorry that happened to you. That is I did crazy. it though. That's how I walked oh. up my mind was I did it because even though even though on the finale that I, I weighed like 122 or something, mm. I weighed myself. I went it because I remember flying into Sydney like the death, two day, three days before the finale and they weighed me that morning. Mm when I flew in and then I wanted to be my weight for myself. So I sneakily went and um, went to a gym and weighed myself at a gym. Mm. And I was 118. So, oh, honey. yeah, that, I think it was about a week and a half before the show. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that week I didn't eat anything at all. Like I didn't, I think what I ate before leading up to it, I was just probably having a piece of toast here and there and that was it. I was drinking a shitload of water. I was going to, I was doing exercise, a lot of exercise. Um, yeah, because he wanted me to be under 120. So I was like, yep, no worries, I'll be under 120. Yeah, and then so when I saw those numbers at the finale, <laughs> I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. But anyway... Yeah, <laughs> that's not the right number, but okay, I'm going to believe that's what you think it is, righto. Yeah, 
So yeah, if people, if there is a video of me at the finale and you see my face looking all pissed, um, yeah, that's probably one of the reasons why, because I was on 100, under 120 and they, yeah, put me at 122, put that point something and I was like, that's not the right, that's not right, but okay. Um, and then I, after I had weighed myself initially at the gym, I started comfort eating again. And then because I wasn't planning on doing any, any exercise, I started, you know, I was even hiding it all from everyone because, and it wasn't easy <laughs> because I was not only did I have my best friend and my mum there for the finale as well, I also had this woman, former, the other former contestants and you know, hiding that side of me, hiding that eating disorder was, it, I was, I think during those three days, I was hoping that someone would catch on, mm. but at the same time, I was also hoping that someone wouldn't catch on, um, especially considering how close in, in proximity I was to my best friend, because we were sleeping in the same room, like in separate beds, but sleeping. And I thought for sure I would get caught by her, but no, I didn't. Um, and I thought for sure that my mum would notice something, but she noticed I wasn't happy, but she also noticed that I wasn't, that I was just trying to put on a foot. And she also noticed that I was putting on a facade mm -hmm. um, because she kept asking if I was okay. And I kept telling her, yeah, I was, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine. You don't need to worry about me. But, you know, mum, no, like they just know. <laughs> Yeah, especially when you put on a facade, they're like, no, you you need to sit down and tell me. But because I only had a day with my mom, she couldn't really sit down and demand to know what, what was going on. But yeah. Yeah. And there just would have been so much pressure as well. And not just pressure, you know, about your body, but also pressure because it's reality TV. Like back in the early 2000s, The Biggest Loser was such a big, big show. Like, mm -hmm. um, in our previous conversation, like you were even saying, like, you know, people would recognize you. So like on the streets, so like, it would have just been so much pressure. I just can't believe that. I, I, although I can believe though, considering how toxic Biggest Loser is, I just cannot believe there was like no discussions about like even just trigger warnings or even just like, like there was just no idea from the producers or any of the head of the Biggest Loser being like, these contestants are gonna get eating disorders from what we're doing to them. like putting that much pressure and encouraging to lose that much weight so quickly. Yeah. It's no surprise people get disordered eating from it. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's shocking. But not the mental health ramifications from, on being that show, like we knew deep down that the trainers were only trying to do their job. Like they were, they also had their orders. Mm. of the producers like they had earpieces in their ears and they were told what to say they were told what to do if you think that the trainers ran the show no it was the producers the producers were the ones that taught us all these things and more they controlled what the trainers had to do the only time the trainers had free reign is when we weren't filming mm. and on the weekend when they came and did training sessions with us on the weekend and that was probably the most relaxed time because we had Steve, like Commando, coming in on the weekend to train us. He brought his daughter with him. 
Um, and the same with Shannon. Shannon brought his partner with him one day. Like that was probably the most relaxed I saw them was when they weren't filming and had the opportunity to sort of train up without the, the cameras being there. Yet when the cameras were there, when the producers were there, they had to put on an act. They had to put on a role. Mm-hmm. Because this is a TV show. We need to make drama and we need yeah. to make views and and it's a competition. So you had producers pitting pitting contestant against contestant. You had um, producers sort of whispering rumors in people's ear. Um, you had con- producers sort of saying, oh, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Um, when really it was none of your business, what was going on, like, yeah, it was just, if you thought that we had any sort of reign of what to do in that show, we didn't. Um, the producers mainly ran everything. Don't get me wrong, not all the producers were like that. Some of the some of the producers and the assistants were actually pretty good. Um, but at the same time, this is a TV show. We need to make watchable content for people to be able to sit down at their t- uh, sit down and watch the telly and be like, oh my god! And that's where the drama and the manipulation and the sort of back handling, backstabbing sort of um, thing went on behind the scene. So, and even like when you did the personal interview, producers would ask you these questions and you'd be like, no, that's not what happened, but okay, I'm going to answer these questions because, yeah, that's what you're telling me to do. If you didn't do these things for the producers, then the producers would put you, would start to pit you as the person like for me, I was seen as the lady drama queen. Mm. Um, Margie was seen as the bully. And so was Lydia. Lydia was seen as the bully. Um, and Beth and Brenda were seen as the, you know, the high, high maintenance sort of people. Um, and how myself and Ryan and Hamish were seen as the lazy one because, we, you know, me and Ryan, well, Ryan was the biggest boy, I was the biggest girl, um, and Hamish, because he was so young, yeah, they painted him as the immature, you know, young bloke that didn't have a clue what to do, mm-hmm. which was so not the case. You know, Hamish was absolutely quite wonderful, um, and he was funny, and he had talent, and the TV show didn't show that, yeah. you know. They didn't show, you know, Margie's funny side. They didn't show, um, you know, Beck caring side or Lydia's caring side. Um, and they, you know, they didn't show, uh, you know, me being funny or anything like that. They just, they wanted to piss, you know, they wanted to make a show for the audience. Yeah. Yet meanwhile, I think the majority of the contestants were there would just, there to change our lives and to lose weight and for me I was there to make friends even though I knew deep down it was a competition so yeah. Mm. 
has it changed your perspective on reality TV now? Because obviously the biggest loser isn't on anymore in Australia, but you know, we still got reality TV, we got maths, we got the bachelor. Yeah. How, how how has it changed your perspective? Like, do you watch reality TV? Do you just feel sorry for the I, people going on? I watch reality TV on and off because my mum still watches it. So she'll she'll text me every now and then about what's going on, like on The Bachelor or on Married. Like even now, she's texting me about Married at First Sight, and I told her that I wasn't going to watch Married at First Sight this year because the amount of drama <laughs> that goes on that show. But then I realized I'm like, well, hang on a minute. I can't judge because I know what it's like to be in a reality TV show and I know about what goes on behind the scenes and how much manipulation behind the scenes that goes on. Mm-hmm. So it does, when I watch a reality TV show now, I'm always asking myself, is it genuine or is it just there for views or have they hired actors or have they hired, you know, people to say, oh, if you come on the show, we'll pay you certain money. Um, so, yeah, I'm always, and then you do get the very genuine people like Abby Shatfield, you know, how she was painted as the villain. And I'm like, but she seems so lovely. Like, you listen to her podcast and you see her TikTok videos. Like, she she sounds like a girl that I would hang out with. Yet on the te- on, on the Bachelor, she was seen as the villain. At the, and I'm like, why? <laughs> like, I, know, I understand that, you know, these reality TV shows have to make, you know, TV. Mm. But MasterChef tried the drama route and they failed to tackle it because they did go down the drama route, but they took away what MasterChef was was really about, which was the food. Mm -hmm. And when they focused on the food, they realised they were getting more people watching, watching because they were making the food. Yet My Kitchen World made it all about the drama Mm-hmm. and not about the food and they didn't like they lost a lot of viewers because it wasn't about the food the food yeah I think when you make a reality tv show make it so what it is so made at first sight it's about genuine couple who get married that's what I remember from the first season of watching made at first sight that you had genuine couples that were part of an social experiment that got made without ever meeting each other. And I think that's why the first season did so well. And the same with The Bachelor. The first season of The Bachelor did so well. And the first, the guy from the first Bachelor is still with his partner to this day. Mm -hmm. So I think producers need to take a long look, hard look at what makes people watch the thing. Because we do want to see the romance. We do want to see, you know, people falling in love and all that. Sometimes we like to see the drama, but at sometimes we don't want to see the drama. Like just comparing the shows that we have nowadays to the shows that back, you know, back in the 2000s and my my season of The Biggest Leader, like half of the shit that went on back then wouldn't be accepted today, yet you still have things like Married at First Sight that are doing so much shit. Um, sorry for my language, but, yes, you're doing so much stuff that people normally wouldn't do in real life. So I'm like, why? 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, thank you so much, Selena, for coming on to today's podcast to talk about your experience on reality TV, your experience at The Biggest Loser. I really do appreciate it. And I think a lot of people are going to be intrigued to hear your story because I think just for so many people, it was a part of our childhood. It was just like, oh, yeah, The Biggest Loser, it happened. It was a thing, whatever. Uh, I think also a lot of people, um, if you still struggle with the idea of, you know, especially with the body image and stuff like that, don't struggle. Like, because be ha- like at the beginning of the podcast, you've only got one body. Mm. So what you do with that body matters. Yeah. And like, you can pretty it up, like put tattoos and stuff like that. You can, you know, be healthy and and try to be healthy, but you've only got the one body and that's your body. You know, don't let anyone else tell you anything different. And if you do feel feel the effects, feel the ramifications of watching shows like The Biggest Loser or, you know, listening to other people's experiences on that show, don't be too, like, what's the word? That, don't be, my brain's gone blank at the That's moment. That's okay. All good, all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, now my brain's really gone back. <laughs> this heat, I blame the heat on the on the brains, honestly. My, yeah. The heat is ha- affecting my brain heaps, yeah. For those people who regret not having the chance of going on a TV show like The Biggest Loser, you didn't miss out on much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, they have yeah. saved themselves a whole life of trauma from there, I think. Yes, they've definitely yeah. saved themselves from that, yeah, like yeah I really appreciate you coming out and just telling your story about it because people need to know that like that show that was such a big deal in the, in the 2000s yeah, yeah it was more like don't get me wrong there was good, I had some good experiences on there but also because it was filmed in a time where mental health was such a stigma yeah um, yeah like when I say we didn't get support in order to support our mental health, we didn't get the support. Um, and when I said earlier, you know, you had that train being filmed in this time now, like in 2023, it would be boycotted in two weeks because as soon as the contestants came out with the fact that they didn't get any help for their mental health, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't think a lot of people, especially nowadays when mental health is so important. Mm. Yeah, like I didn't get help for my mental health during the show and even after the show. So um, I can, I can, and I can only imagine from other former contestants of what they went through. Um, yes, yeah, so you didn't miss out on much when it came to being on a TV show like The Biggest Leader. Trust me, it's not worth going on a show. And if you are thinking of going on any reality TV show, whether it be Made at First Sight or The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, 
just read the fine print before you sign the dotted line on your contract because if the biggest loser was trouble was problematic, chances are made at first sight and the bachelor and the bachelorette or any sort of reality TV show would be problematic. I think the only one that gets away with getting being problematic is MasterChef. Mm. But then again, I'm all the contestants of MasterChef. So yeah, I can't speak <laughs> for MasterChef <laughs> contestants. So yeah. but you know, especially if anyone's thinking of being on a reality TV show, just read the fine print and know what you're getting into before you go into a, a reality TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mental health ramifications and the problems that you'll get after being on a show on a reality TV show is not worth it. I'm still struggling with my mental health to this day. I still have anxiety, like social, and I've developed social anxiety because of being on the biggest loser. I've always had depression, but my anxiety and my social anxiety got worse after being on a TV show. So, yeah, it's not worth going on a TV show if unless you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people need to hear that because it does seem like not only like, you know, an opportunity for fun, it also does seem like a bit of a career path for a lot of people as well to go on reality TV, which I, I understand, like, you know, if you want to go that way, but obviously there's a lot of things that you don't know can happen like you being portrayed as a villain um the excessive online bullying like i've heard some reality tv people talk about like you just yeah people that have yeah so people that have thought about going to reality tv like oh just just know like, you're getting you something then that's good on you like abby chapel made it work for her mm, absolutely um what's her name book from the Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Mm. made it work for her um so if you make it work for you, that's fine. Yeah. Um. I'm. I. I also. I. I also applaud that. Like I. I applaud Abby Chapel making a name for herself after her experiences. Mm. Um. And then you know, with so many other people out there who've been on reality TV show and now you know trying to make a name for themselves by doing a podcast and stuff like that. That's, you know, at least they be. You know, at least they got something out of it. Yeah. Um. And yeah, there are always bit people who. Oh, she's just a reality TV show star. What? Why is she so important? Why would she be considered a celebrity? Well, at least she had the guts. You know, at least people had the guts to go on a TV show. But um, at the same time, you know, it's not really worth going on a TV show unless you read the fireprint. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Important to weigh the pros and cons, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much, my dear, for coming onto the show, talking about Biggest Loser. And I just really appreciate you. And just, I really hope that the healing journey post Biggest Loser, I hope that hopefully continues to go well. Because, yeah, I can't imagine the trauma that you must have had to endure being on the show. So just thank you for talking about your story. And yeah, just thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed our chat, be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to the Fraternized podcast. And also feel free to give us a rating if you enjoyed today's episode. Send us a message, give us a review. We really do appreciate all the support. But anyway, I will be back with you all next week for another episode of the Fraternized podcast. I'm your host, Demi Lynch. Bye. Bye. Make sure you get your health check. This podcast was sponsored by Peach the Label.
Australia's go-to destination for mid and plus-size fashion. We at Fatinize pay our respect to the traditional custodians of the Mianjin land. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land.